Hello, my friends. I'm curious to know how many of you have a leadership pipeline. We know that great leaders grow companies because we talk to them here on the show every day. But what are you doing to create great leaders within yours? If you're a CTO, it is 100% your responsibility to grow and improve your people beyond just their coding abilities. We've built a tool that improves your people in their craft and in leadership. Visit leaderbits.io to learn more. Today, we are talking to Shri, the CTO at Atlassian, and we discuss Atlassian's open company, no-nonsense culture, how to unleash massive potential within your team, and why you can only be successful if the people you lead are successful. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. my friend hey joe hey buddy how are you i am doing great dude look at the office i like it it's like it's a good color yeah it's great uh we are in mountain view i mean i'm based in mountain we are in number of locations but right now i'm in mountain view right now you're in mountain view correct you know i was just out there about three weeks ago looking at this robotics company they're called Nightscope, and they have these like roaming robots that are security patrol. Yeah, I've seen those in Stanford. Mall. Right? Yeah, yeah, like the Stanford Westgate or something. I saw a bunch of those logos everywhere. Yeah. What did you think? Did you did you walk oh, up? Oh, it's and- it's curious. You should see kids all staring at it, and that thing is actually a real cop. You're not supposed to tease it. <laughs> They, they were telling me, uh, so I got to meet with the CTO and their engineers and tour their facility, saying people would like kiss it like with, and leave lipstick marks and it was all sorts of nonsense. It's fascinating. So Atlassian, you guys are like, you own the market, you're huge. Yeah, we, we don't think we are huge, but we are growing, growing great. What's the culture like there? It, it's great. It's the best company I've worked and I've worked in lots of companies with lots of positive things. Atlassian has this unique combination of everything good. Right? We have two amazing tech co-founders. We have a great culture. People love working here. Uh, we have this flywheel model that just keeps working. We are somewhat long-term focused. We are doing the hacks for the short term. Uh, great place to be. That's one of our, here at our company, one of our, core values, things that we value, is we think in terms of decades, right? That's great. Yeah, yeah. We, we definitely are. We take on big projects that are game-changing, and we actually complete those, and it helps us. I, I can tell you the story of what we have been. I've been here for three and a half years, and we have gone through a big cloud-native journey. Tell me about it. What was it like when you came in, and where are you at today? Yeah, yeah. So in the last three, three and a half years that I've been here, uh, we have gone through this massive transformation from, as a company, we have always been on-prem company for several years. Even before I came in, we had launched a cloud product, but the cloud product was in a different architecture, say single tenanted architecture. We ran our own data centers. So after I came in, we accelerated our move to AWS and we made it multi-tenanted and we went cloud native. And in the process, we also created a platform because on the cloud side, we have number of products. We have Jira, Confluence, Bitbucket, Trello, Jira Service Desk, and now Ops Genie and Agile Craft. So we have a number of projects, uh, products in the company. So we have built this platform that 
is shared across all these different products. So in the last three and a half years, we have gone cloud native, we have made it work, uh, we are scaling, we have uh, grown much bigger. In fact, today, more than 90% of all new customers are all coming on cloud. Nice. Right? So that, that's a big shift in terms of how we are operating. Not just in terms of technology, but also in terms of DNA, which is actually a much bigger change because technology you can foresee uh, I've actually been in cloud companies for the last 10 years at least, and you can see what needs to be done. The DNA change is actually harder and we have successfully navigated that change, which is great. How, how? like how did you do that? Yeah, the, the thing that changes in the cloud native space is the DevOps model, right? So you want people to build it and you run it. And we have moved to microservices. As we move to microservices, we have created smaller teams and the good part is also we are actually distributed in a number of locations, which helps is as we move to this new model, it actually works better than being in a monolith. Because as you break down these services into smaller services with clear API and clear interface, you can put that anywhere, right? So we have this philosophy of products and platform services. Products are pinned to your location. So you have the designer, product manager, and engineering lead in the same location. But the platform services team, which have clear REST interfaces, can be any, in any location. So as we have created microservices, that has actually helped us to scale to a much bigger, uh, both in terms of number of services we have in production, but also in terms of how many people we have in engineering. So give me an idea, a, per a perspective. How many people in engineering and IT, that area? Yeah, uh, as a company, I guess we are roughly about 3,500 people. And I would say more than half, or roughly half, is in engineering. Wow. So that, that's the rough scale. Nice. We are, we are distributed in a number of locations. We are in uh, Sydney, which is where we started. That's where our co-founders are. Uh, we are in San Francisco, so Mountain View, which is where I'm based. And in Austin and New York, we also have a number of remote uh, employees. Uh, we acquired a company in Turkey, so we have a Turkey office. We opened a India center in Bangalore, so we're actually pretty distributed. And that's good, right? Because you're building products for teams that are largely distributed. Yeah, I, I say this, we are the most dog-footed company. We <laughs> every one of our products because that's how we live. We live and breathe our products every single day. How could you not? Right yeah, now, our, our instances are so big. We, are, we use Confluence for all of our intranet. We use Jira for all our workflows. We use Trello for all the lightweight project management. We use all our products. That's exciting. I was actually talking to um, Jeremy King, who is the CTO of Walmart. He's out, he actually lives out by you, like in that area. Yeah. Have you it, met him before? Uh, I, I haven't met him before, but I know him. Yeah, I, I met him once. Yeah, I, yeah. I know him. So he's a fan of Jira. Yeah, no, we have definitely, that's our business model, right? So our business model <laughs> is to create fans and yes. champions. And because we don't have a direct sales team like other traditional companies, we have very small team, go-to-market team. That's actually pretty strategic in terms of how we operate. And the way Jira and Confluence is sold is not actually by having commission-based salespeople but having an awesome product that can, that can sell itself, right? Word of mouth, flywheel model. And it, we want to create champions who can go champion the product inside the company. And that's how we have been growing for the last 17 years plus. It's pretty exciting too. We, we, have, we started a small company here out, out of the podcast. And uh, so we have about 
13 people now. And so that's pretty cool. Like in the past year, we've grown from like me and Jake to like 13 people. But uh, that's one of the things that we just started to experience. Like we have customers that like tell people to buy our product. (laughs) And we're awesome. like, we're like, what is this? And then one of them like flew in from Colorado and was like, Hey, can we have lunch? I want to give you like my experience with the product. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I went and had lunch with these two customers and they, um, they didn't have anything like bad to say. And I was like, guys, you got to give me, you got to give me something. Right. Like, <laughs> but it was congratulations. You are big now. 13 yeah, people. <laughs> right. We're, we're not close to the vision, but <laughs> But it's exciting that we're um, we're in business, right? We're not like struggling to stay alive, and that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, so you have a, a team. How many people report to you? About five, seven people. Uh, direct reports, yes, yeah. something like that. I run all of engineering, so I have leads from the platform team, and I have leads from the product teams reporting. Uh, that's about four or five people. I have the CISO reporting to me, and I also run program management. And I run partnerships for Atlassian. So those are my direct reports. You know, question just popped in my head. Because um, a lot of people have been saying CISO reporting to them in the past year. It's been more of a thing. How does the security area distribute themselves within the teams and the organization? It's like you get one CISO and you get a bunch of junior C's. Like, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So the, the way we have organized, and it's actually working really well, is we have a centralized CISO, security team, mm-hmm. that does all the framework and tooling and all the scanning of our infrastructure and both internal and external. And they liaison with all the other product teams because it's not just in the centralized team that the work needs to happen. The work actually needs to happen all the way from designing the software to operating the software, which is done by the product teams. So they work closely with each of the product teams and they make sure that they have And we also have this operational maturity model that is a self-disclosure from each of the team. We call it service quest and it's been working great. So every team, whether it's a microservice or whether it's a product team, they disclose what their maturity model is. And one of the pillars is a security pillar. And we review that every quarter and there is a goal for each of the teams to improve those. And the security team works with all these different teams to make sure that they keep pushing the boundaries and upping their bar. And you're saying something that I don't understand, so I love to ask whenever this happens. You're saying they, dis- they disclose the maturity model. Yeah, so we have a maturity model. We call it Service Quest. And there is a scoring of 20 points per pillar, and there are five pillars. And security is one of the pillars. So each team discloses what they answer a bunch of questions, and it gives them a score, saying, I am 10 out of 20. And the security team works with them to say, how do I move you from 10 to 15? And they list down a bunch of projects and the teams execute. They may be how to design the software, maybe how to build the software, how to run it in production, what types of uh, things, bugs that you need to fix and the SLAs that you need to have. So there's a whole bunch of things that goes into it. But that's a self-disclosure. We have gone for a more bottoms-up approach rather than a top-down. We have a gate and you can't ship anything unless you do these five things. We have avoided that so that we can move fast. and Yeah. but we still can have the controls in place that can help us be a mature enterprise company. Is this something you created or is it something that's just slipped past my radar developing software? Uh, No, this is an internal thing. We haven't open sourced or opened it yet, but at some point we might. But what about the concept? 
the, the operational maturity model has been around uh, quite for quite some time. A number of companies do it uh, well. In fact, when we were designing this, we talked to a bunch of companies, including Twilio and several others. But we took those input and we basically modeled it based on how we work. Uh, Atlassian is a bottom subcompany. Innovation is the lifeblood of Atlassian. And we want to empower engineers to go innovate, right? So we want them to build awesome products. So we avoid having anything tops down and mandates that can just put constraints on people. We want them to imbibe what needs to happen and more bottoms up. So every structure that we create, every process that we create uh, embodies that. Nice. It gives that freedom and it keeps you relevant as you scale too. Yep. Right. Yeah, and we are in number of locations, and we are in we have number of products, so we have all these different complexities, and we want to make sure that it's owned by the teams that actually operate those. And that's how you attract the best talent, too. Yeah. That's also yeah. a great talent acquisition strategy. Yeah, we have been doing great. So I actually started the Mountain office a few years ago, and we have grown to about 500 people. I'm excited. We are opening up a new office right next door in oh, the same nice. campus in the next couple of months so we are growing yep so i'm curious you said you had about you know seven people reporting to you how how much time do you spend developing them like professionally like working with them growing them yeah it, it's very important to me so people definitely atlassian in general is a people focused company so people growth is important so if i divide my job up i spend uh, some time on the technology piece, making sure we have a vision for technology. We want to make sure that we are moving in the right direction. Uh, and I'm part of the executive team, trying to tie into the business of the company and figuring out how to leverage and have the leverage that we have from engineering. So that's one portion of my job. The other portion is making sure that we execute on the projects. And rest of it, and the bulk of it, is actually on hiring people, growing people, mentoring people, yes. and making sure that we can... Uh, we, we can have that set up. So that, that's definitely a big portion of my, my role. I love it. I'm always looking for trends between the different leaders and the cultures of their company. And it's like the great leaders do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it, it, it's important for us. That the only way I can be successful if my leaders are successful, right? So yes. uh, th th that's the thing I, I try to unblock them. I try to give them guidance. We have an amazing, uh, we call it CLT. It's the CTO leadership team. Uh, it's great, great partnership. Uh, play as a team is one of our company values, and it's definitely seen in my CLT. I'm proud of my team. That's awesome. I like it. I like you already, man. I can't wait. Like <laughs> next time I'm in Mountain View, I'm gonna send you an email and be like, "Absolutely, well, you should, you should definitely come over." Yeah, it's it's. By the way, the weather out there is really nice too. Like absolutely, yeah. we are in the best locations you can imagine, right? Sydney, Mountain View, yeah. San Francisco. Austin is great too. Oh yeah. I like, and then I'm, I was thinking about coming out there and um, I think it, you know, Salesforce, they have, they, they have Dreamforce, but they are like creating a Dreamforce for developers. Uh, they've yeah. done it a couple of years in a row. So they have all the Salesforce partner developers and everything there. So they invited me out to that. And so I might, I might be out there for that. Cool. I, so I'll also invite you for our developer day and our Atlas camp. We, we have a large developer community. Oh, yeah? And we oh, have yeah, a, I mean, it's your customers. <laughs> yeah. Our customers too, but we also have, expose our APIs for third-party oh. developers who build apps on top of Jira, Confluence, and other products. And that's a pretty big, thriving ecosystem. And th that ecosystem, in fact, 
It has generated more than $500 million in GMV in the last several years since we launched it. So it's a pretty massive investment for us and a big part of our strategy. Yeah. And we do specific camps similar to what you mentioned. Uh, would be great if you can attend one of those. Yeah. And we'll give a shout out. Like I'll look at when they're uh, after the call or after the we record the episode, I'll make sure to look at the dates and give a shout out like in the intro for the dates and tell people um, awesome. check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're always trying to help. Like, by the way, this is a perfect segue into like, what do you need more of right now? Like what type of people do you need more of right now if they're listening to this and they're they're interested in maybe a career at Atlassian? Yeah, Atlassian is an awesome company. We have moved to a cloud native uh, as a thing. We are hiring heavily on cloud. We are hiring both front-end and back-end and full-stack engineers. We have invested in mobile side. Uh, we are in a number of locations. We are also hiring remote people. So if you're tech-savvy and can solve problems, absolutely, you should talk to us. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical. All right, let's yes. say... You've got you know, your direct reports and then the layer under them. And let's say you're all hanging out, spending time together, uh, solving some problems. What behaviors would stand out to you like that would say that person's a high potential, that person is someone I would want to invest time into? What do you look for? Yeah, so the thing that we do even as part of the interview process, we call it the values interview. So we look for people who embody the values of Atlassian, which I talked about. I play as a team is a value, open company, no bullshit, having transparency and being able to take feedback and to work more transparently. And we have talked about this in our uh, website and other places. We work open, but open is the mantra for how we operate. And we want people coming in to be able to do that. And that's definitely, so we look definitely for software engineers, for example, we do a technical interview just like everybody else. We want to hire the best IQ people, but we also want to have people who can embody our values and play as a team, right? So that part, because our, as you know, NASDAQ symbol, our NASDAQ symbol is team and our mission is to unleash potential of teams, of every team. So the team play and the teamwork is critical for us. That is awesome. I did not know that, but you've got the cool, you got like one of the coolest symbols there is, there are yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that exist. That team. Oh, that's cool. Did you get to ring the bell? Like, were you there when they went public? No, I started, I signed up before the IPO. I started right after. So yeah. I didn't ring the bell, but I saw people ring the bell. Uh, Atlassian did something unique on the day. Atlassian invited old timers to go with them to ring the bell with our founders. And that was great to have people who have been there for 10 years. And on the same day, they, or we, I should say now, did hackathon. We run this every quarter so that it was more important on that day that hackathon was successful than the, the event that happened because th that happens. This culture and part of being innovation as the lifeblood of Atlassian needed to be showcased on that day. So when you have these hackathons, has anything like ever come out of it and like have gone into production or? Yeah, absolutely. It serves multiple purposes. One is it helps people to think different and to come out of their shell and say, oh, wow, I could think about this. And we do slightly different. We actually do the hackathon for the whole company, not just for engineers. Oh, that's so, awesome. And that's different from every other company, right? So we actually have like, uh, marketing people and HR people coming together and saying, oh, it would be awesome if you automate this and they work with engineers or even without engineers, we have process changes and cool little things. In fact, if you come to Mountain Me office, you'll see that our staircase is painted differently. 
and there's like brushes hanging around and that's all part of ship it so you'll we, we have products on jira service desk which is a which is the fastest growing product in the company it's actually part that was initially done as part of ship it but we also have the school little things which i think creates the character for atlassian happens a lot during these ships and we we run it we ran it during the on the day we went ipo we do it also as part of our user conference we actually have an area in the conference where engineers are hacking while the conference is happening and we the last presentation is actually the presentation from them pitching it to the audience the the our users and they vote for the winner so it's actually pretty amazing to see that in the summit That's really cool. I lo- I love the the culture and the energy over there. It's very attractive, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been great. I've loved every single day. So, we know where you are today, right? CTO Alazian. But I'm curious to know like where where did you start? Like how did you fall in love with technology? Video games? Like where was it? Where did it happen for you? Yeah, I I grew up in India. Mm-hmm. And my first computer was a Spectrum DX. I hooked it up to the TV and we had a little tape player that had to load up the thing. I didn't have any manuals, it was all basic uh programming. So I actually learned programming by just trial and error. I, I used to write the program didn't work. I used to ask questions to my uncle who was a programmer and then I would learn a little bit and a little bit more. So that's how I got hooked onto it. And then of course I did the undergrad and grad and as I learned more then i realized it's more than just writing the algorithm itself it a lot more things goes on to building a real product but th- that's been a journey all along so then you go to college you study computer science and some other things and then where do you go right after college y- yeah i i i finished my masters in computer science and then i joined sun microsystems yeah and sun was an amazing company uh this was back in 98 99 mm-hmm. uh it was great that was probably the best company i could have joined like the darling of the industry during that time cutting edge i worked with the smartest people i could imagine had great mentors which is like critical part i guess that's one of the things i advise uh interns and new grads join like have some mentors that you can lean on and i had amazing ones during the period i was there i grew a lot at sun and by the time I, i was there for nine and a half years i did lots of different projects i ended up running the app server j2e group towards the end and uh, it was a great experience in terms of being a good engineer becoming an architect leading people trying to be a good people manager and in the process i also decided oh i think to be a good manager i should do my mba which i don't think th- those two are related but i think it actually <laughs> helped me. Uh, it didn't help me to be a good manager i think it helped me to be a good person have a broad perspective and get to know more than just engineering but anyway so i also did my uh, management degree at stanford uh, and when by the time i left at sun i was a completely different person I'd much better much better leader much better person as a over well-rounded person well let's talk about that so first of all i i don't know if bob warall was over there at sun microsystems at the time you were but he's he was there for like 10 15 years at sun i think at his highest he was the cto but now he's over at uh, juniper networks which is pretty yep. cool he was he was a cool leader but let's talk a little bit about that first time that you went from individual contributor to leading a team what everyone has a story everyone has like a takeaway some big lesson that they learned 
um, a lot of the people listening, they're transitioning from individual contributor to team lead. So like what, what tips or insight do you have about that? Yeah, so uh, I didn't know what it means, what it meant to be a great manager right? or a good manager. So I knew I had to do these five tasks. I knew I had to do one-on-ones, I had to tell them what to do. Like, I knew bits and pieces, but it was definitely having few things, I guess, that helped me become a much better manager. One is having a mentor. Uh, two is clearly investing in communications and making sure I can uh, do the right set of things and training. The learning aspect has been a theme, uh, at least in my career. So making sure that I learned on the job there were lots of times when I had to let go somebody. It's like, oh, shit, I can never do this. But then after you do it and you do it the right way, then you figure out, oh, there is the right way of doing things and the wrong way of doing things. When you do the right way, then you figure out, okay, I know it's always bad. And even today, it's actually not great. But you can do it the right way so you can actually get to the other side much better. And it also helps the other person on the other side to get through the situation. So learning those little things, like small things on the job, helps to be a much better leader yeah and it seems cool because as you learn those things you realize it's a lot about culture it's a lot about caring about people and so it's great that you grew and you ended up at a company where that's that's what's happening yep yep yeah and and then i went to different kinds of companies i went to ning which was mark anderson's third company great experience four years i uh i loved every single we were when I joined, we were actually growing faster than Facebook and we were create your own social network space and Ning had amazing talent and we grew the team and all that. We changed the business model after a couple of years and we so, at the end of it, we sold the company. So that was a great experience for four years. Then I was at VMware for a short time, uh, which is of course an enterprise company. And then I was at Groupon as CTO for three years, completely different space in e-commerce. Uh, and then I landed in Atlassian. Groupon, that was a, that was a, that, they got so big so fast. Everyone, there was like a Groupon craze like going through the United States at least. Yeah, th- th- that was an amazing experience in terms of just building out platforms, uh, machine learning that could replace human rankings. And there's more, there was definitely, the technology aspect of it in cutting edge building out machine learning but also a human aspect of actually you're replacing humans like we are eliminating jobs of humans and replacing it with algorithms right and the kinds of pushback you would get in such an environment is like you just won't imagine <laughs> fascinating so i'm curious i'm not even going to go down that chain of <laughs> the conversation because i've got i'm i'm more interested in knowing we have uh, the cio coming on in a few weeks, in a couple weeks. And so I'm curious, a lot of the questions we get from uh, people that listen or just when I'm out speaking, things like that, how how does the CIO and the CTO collaborate? I know it's different at every company, but what does it look like for you at Atlassian? Yeah, uh, different at different companies. Uh, We have a CIO in the company who focuses mostly on the internal systems, mostly cloud systems that we have and bringing it together because we use best of breed needs to be uh, brought together. Uh, she also runs our uh, commerce engine, which is extremely important because we are a subscription model and online only. To tie it into the business aspect, she and I work super closely. The commerce engine implementation is actually an engineering project. So we work very closely with that. Uh, 
there's not there's clear boundaries in how we operate in terms of i run all the production systems and making sure that we have a great product and build focusing on building products and she focuses on the uh, internal systems and also the commerce and the website that we have uh, implementation of that there are clear overlaps for example our security team cuts across both internal systems and production systems and we are working on joint products to go to zero trust uh, security setup and things like that, and we have strong collaboration between uh, between our teams. So we work closely together, but there's definitely clear ownership. That's exciting, man. Yes. And yeah. C- CIO more internal facing, you more product facing. Yeah, cool. I like I I see I see that general a lot. Like I see that a lot, and so it's like in the details is when everyone's like, what should it be? Do- like what should the person be doing? I'm like, you should look at your product and your customer and your company and that should tell you what you should be doing (laughs) exactly oh man so i'm real like what today currently is is the most exciting thing for you like what's getting you out of bed what project anything you can actually talk about yeah uh atlassian we are working on a number of really solid projects both some in terms of we are working on things that directly help customers. Uh, For example, we are building cloud for the next higher scale. We are increasing the scale and we are going to more larger customers, building more security features into our products. Uh, There's a whole stream of work happening around that. We also are, we have a big mission to unleash potential of every team. And there are lots of aspects of teamwork that we haven't solved. So we're also thinking through how do we help IT teams and how do we help software teams? How do we help the rest of the company? So there's definitely lots of thinking and uh, productization of our thinking that's happening. So that part is actually pretty interesting. And there's also market trends out, uh, I guess, in terms of machine learning is definitely changing how products are built. So both in terms of at Atlassian, we have started to invest heavily in machine learning aspects and making our products smarter. Uh, but also, I guess, as an industry trend, there's interest for me personally in terms of how do we, how does machine learning make it to our human space, I guess. So application of this new technology, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so I live in a town where it's, uh, it's a vacation town. It's a beach town. Where do you live? In Sarasota, Florida. Okay. So it's actually, it's like known because it's the number one beach in the United States. So we get like a ton, and I'm a native here. So like for me, it's just where I grew up. Yeah. We, get, we get a ton of seasonal traffic. But I was doing a public speaking event for a Kiwanis club, right? And they, and so that here, it's like the average age in the room, I think was like 75. Right? And there was like, there's like probably 60 people there. And I gave, gave the whole leadership talk thing, that I'm, what I'm learning, talking to like great leaders and things. But then they start asking me questions about like AI and like when it's taking over the world and stuff. And so it became one of the most interesting Q&A sessions I've ever had. Wow. Yes. They were like, is it, it they were upset about the uh, data, right? Uh, they were upset about millennials, just the word millennials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I just explained to them, I said, look, there are, there are like rude people in life and then there are not rude people and they exist inside of every year, every new generation of humans. And just because you met a rude young person does not mean millennials suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, it, anyways, it was a it was an interesting conversation. But I think 
it would where I'm confident that at the end I left them with more positive like about the whole AI because I fundamentally um, believe in that good things will come of it as long as we continue to support good people that are building it right like yeah. so I I'm a fan of I don't think that there's the the possibility of like no AI like just stopping it. it's like trying to stop the universe there's too much energy there right it's not possible yep. Yep. So it's like now we have the option to either support people that are building it for positive reasons and help the advancements happen over there versus the people that might be doing it for like nefarious reasons. Usually they don't have much funding or anything anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you come to Mountain, you will see a whole bunch of autonomous cars running around here. It's fascinating to see those and how they, they perform. That's a, Wait, do they have people in them still? They still have people in them. They yeah. sit there almost ready to hold the steering wheel but it's fascinating to see how the it, it currently there's waymo and several other cars running here the cars do very differently in specific situations it's they're very polite the cars put the blinker signal and they wait for like full space to move in unlike humans who are like trying to nudge in <laughs> so it's fascinating to see how they how they drive have you been in one I've not been in one, but I've definitely tailgated some. <laughs> they, <do. laughs> they have different color license plates, right? So that's like the thing. Yeah, you, you'll know they have big things on the top and on the sides, and you'll know if it's a autonomous car. So I've got a couple questions from the audience, if that's cool. Yep. Okay, taking ownership of your personal development, right? Is it your responsibility to develop yourself or is it your company's responsibility to develop you? Uh, it's absolutely your own responsibility. The company can give you the framework, but it's nobody else's, right? So if you want to achieve something, you need to be explicit in it. You need to have clarity on it. You need to figure out and seek out mentors. You need to ask the company for what you need. And of course, you need to be in a good company that helps you, supports you in your growth, but nobody else can help you grow except yourself. I love it because I'm a huge, like I love that book, Extreme Ownership. I'm a big fan of individual ownership because once you, once you, dis, once you make it your responsibility and you own it, only at that point do you have say over the outcome. As long as it's an outside force, then you exactly. lose, right? I, I agree. So unleashing the potential within, right? Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you learn what drives your team members and create an environment but like, where you can motivate and push them and they can be the best versions of themselves? Yeah. Uh, different people have different motivations, different uh, ways of... Uh, th there are some common frameworks, I guess, in terms of how you think about this. You need to empower them. Right? They need to feel like they own the problem and they can drive it end to end. And they also... You need to set the trust boundary in terms of you're letting them run, but if they fail, they should own up to it, right? But then it's your job as a leader to help them succeed, right? So th that delineation of you are giving them full ownership, they should be able to run, but you are helping them, guiding them and mentoring them. I think that balance is extremely important. So you're always aware of like where your people are, how, how you need to motivate them, how you grow them, and you just do that by spending time with them and getting to know them. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we spend a lot of time as a team in CLT here, uh, CTO leadership team, but also one-on-ones and just getting to know them personally. 
What about avoiding burnout? I know it's kind of like a big blanket statement. There's like people say, oh, it's about balance. And then it's like, no, it's not balance because you don't want to center. It's about ratio, knowing like your ratios. But just for you, like what are some of the tricks like when you see yourself burning out or others burning out? Like how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So I've always uh, I've never taken long breaks in my my careers have always worked hard for a long time. The few things that helped me, uh, vacations absolutely helped me. Just taking three weeks in a year at different points of time definitely helps out. Uh, I have a great family, right? Just weekends, spending time with the family, with kids. Uh, it's probably the, the best thing I can do, right? So I, I still work every so often during the weekend because there's always things happening. And Sydney comes online one day earlier on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but just making sure that I spend quality time with family definitely de-stresses and helps me keep going. Nice. What you have? How many kids? I have two kids. I have fifteen-year-old boy and a eight-year-old daughter who's turning nine soon in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice! I've got nineteen-month girl. Girl is nineteen months, and a boy that's eight eight weeks, nine weeks. Wow! Yeah. Your weekends are nights are packed. Type of changing. There is there is just days. Like (laughs) there's no weekends. There's no any. There is just I wake up, I go on my run, I eat my breakfast, and then I just deal with like everything in life. And yeah, now we we have been through. My wife and I have been through that phase. Oh yeah, it's an interesting. It it gets better. All I can say in few years, (laughs) you start loving it because once they graduate from diapers. Yeah, I like that you say it gets better. Everyone else's advice is enjoy it while it lasts, and I'm like, no, tell me it's going to get better. I'm kidding. I love it though. It's it's definitely a unique experience. Like there's no way you could ever like explain to someone what it's like because it's like it's so good and it's so hard and it's so bad like at the same time. Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh. And your priorities are all completely inverted. I know. So throughout your your career and you've you've gone, you know, from Sun Microsystems, Groupon, Lazian. Can you talk a little bit about like your relationships and the importance of relationships because that's how you that's how you traverse the system that's how you get to the next level yeah i think it's extremely important the technology space is pretty small it, overall i guess there's all the connections that you make but especially here in the valley in the technology space this everybody is like one hop away in terms of it so the connections absolutely helps out uh, both Space. I guess there are cases where uh, I help out or if I need something, I can always reach out to some people. Uh, and also, I guess I mentioned this a couple of times, having those people along the way in terms of mentors who I can bounce ideas with and I can relate to, uh, that has been absolutely amazing for me. Great to have along my with my career. Uh, people that I've worked with before, I get to work with them again. Uh, whether it's I hired them or they hired me, or they, that's been great to like circle around and come back and work with people that I've loved to work with before. Right. I, me, again, I'm growing and learning, but I've just recently, over the past two years, figured out the value of relationships. Like, no matter how good I got at Ruby, no matter like what I knew, no matter how fast I could get it to run, like the no matter how much value I brought through the technology, you can't, you have to have relationships in order, and they have to be genuine relationships in order to deploy 
uh, to people to, to help as many people as possible and get your yeah, solution out there. I, I think you hit upon the right thing. The genuineness, I think, is important. Right? You, you don't try to artificially create relationships. You just work with them, and over time, they become best pals or people that you would love to work with, and that helps you overall in your career. Right? Same with the yeah. podcast. Like, I mean, I think last year I did 250 interviews, right? Wow. And like probably about 10 people have just been like just just really cool people. And it's just like, you know, what's up with that person? It's like we just keep in touch a little bit. And it's just it's neat because there's it's just like let's just do life together, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it, it's great what you've created. It's great learning experience for people. Like th there's different ways of learning. Like the best way is actually to do things. That's yeah. how you vibe what you do. But there's also, if you hear something, you can actually go try it out, which helps out, helps you to get ideas. Oh, wow. That company does that way. They're people focused. We should be more people focused. So th for you, I guess, having done that, I think it helps the overall industry. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm just interested in like, let's go figure out what the experts are doing. Like, let's figure out what the practitioners are doing. And then let's put that information out into the community so other people can leverage it as well. Because I'm selfish to the, to the humans on earth, not like a specific geography bounds or anything right. like that. I want technology to advance on a macro uh, as fast as it can while I'm alive. Because I want to see like everything I could see happen. Like I want to see Musk do better and get more ships into space and colonize whatever he wants yeah. to do, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's like a fireworks show. It's like, I, I want to see it happen. We live in super interesting times. Right. Oh, yeah. So do you, do you do any public speaking? Uh, I do. Uh, I present in conferences. I just did a microservices talk a couple of months ago. Uh, we had our Atlassian summit. So I did the investor presentations. Uh, I speak in, as much as I can with my busy job. Yeah. Well, your job is communicating. So <laughs> yeah, sure. I was just curious if you had any upcoming talks, maybe we could give you a shout out for that or just maybe uh, at your next Atlassian. Uh, nothing planned right now, but there's definitely many things like down the pipe. So yeah, I, I look forward. Maybe you'll do like make the cover of Wired or be their keynote or something cool like that. Who knows? If you come across, here's the thing, here's the deal, right? Between you and me. Yep. If you come across something that you wanted, let me know and we'll nominate you. We'll get like as many people as possible to like you nominate go. you for it. There you go, deal. Right? Because you got to stand behind like people who are really cool. Awesome. So let's say you get to meet, have you got to meet Elon Musk yet? No, I have not. Okay. Not well, have you? No, have we're, you? we're working on it. All right. We, are, we're, we have a thing going on called Elon Musk 2020. So we've, okay. got, we've got our best and brightest people on it. Um, but let's say that you're out tailgating one of those autonomous cars, right? And Elon Musk pulls up next to you at a red light. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, you want to go fly in like Dassault Falcon jet? And it's like you go, you hang out with him on his plane. And in his plane, he is a time machine. And you get to teleport back to yourself 10 years ago and give yourself one piece of advice. Yep. What would it be and why? Wow, I went back 10 years ago and Musk is with me. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I guess 10 years ago that I had not learned that I would have wished I learned was that mistakes are okay. Right? I was not the person who would ever want to fail or even if I failed, I would feel so bad. That was a failure. Over time, what I've learned is actually mistakes happen. 
let's figure out what the best way to make it more positive is and learn from those mistakes. And it's obvious that you need to acknowledge the mistakes. You need to learn from the mistakes and move on. That was not in me 10 years ago. I would be so pissed and mad if I had failed. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking that, you know, scientists, right? They run experiments, the scientific method. They try 10 things. They take the best of what works and repeat. They don't attach. They don't see it as the failure. They just say, okay, that didn't work. Next thing. So it's like, how do I detach from the failure itself and think of myself more as the scientist running the experiments and less about being the experiment that failed? That's the thing that surprises me. I, I consider myself as a scientist, not in terms of profession, but more in terms of how I think. Yeah. But that didn't apply to my failures. <laughs> now, it does. now it's like, oh, that's an experiment that failed. So that's a good thing. I learned something, but that was not there 10 years ago. That's going to be fascinating. Yes. And then I'm even more fascinated when we talk in 10 years. And you're like, you won't believe it. We are the experiment. No, <laughs> oh, man. It's, that's, this is fantastic. So the like what does the rest of your day look like you get off of this podcast interview and then where do you go oh today uh, we have the quarterly business review so my afternoon is all for next seven hours is all reviewing every project across all our business Mm -hmm. it's a packed day today every day is different but today is the quarterly business review that's pretty interesting that's exciting that's exciting i get to read everything that every team has written and get a much broader, bigger perspective and give them some input. Yeah, jumping between the micro and the macro. Exactly. So is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to, the audience know about that you'd like to put out there? Uh, no, I think we covered, uh, for Atlassian, I guess we talked about innovation, which is key for us. It's the cloud native journey that we have been, awesome culture. So we touched upon all the key points for Atlassian and we covered whole other ground too. So thank you. Nice. One last question. I'm just curious. Which one, and I know you're going to say all of them, but which, which um, core principle is like on top of your mind, like your favorite lately? For, for Atlassian? Yeah. Like which one's on your mind lately? Which one? We, we have five values. Mm-hmm. And the one that, that I think is most instrumental for us, for our success is the open company, no bullshit. Mm-hmm. It actually, I don't go by a single day when in a meeting or in some place, people are like, oh, we should write a private page. And somebody calls her and says, open company, no bullshit. Let's tell this to the whole company, right? So that actually is instrumental. And I wasn't that open when I joined. And I think I've become a much more transparent, open leader after I've joined the class in, for, in the last three and a half years. So that's saying something. Well, it gives you an edge against competitors because it allows exactly. for speed. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody can get the info. It's all in one place and people are transparent. That clearly helps us to move in the right direction and move fast. By the way, when, when I was talking to Jeremy King of Walmart, he, said, he was talking about being open and upfront and transparent in the context. Uh, and then he said, your tool is how he allows for that. Cool. Yeah, I'll, send, yeah, I'll send you the clip or something. Because yeah, he, okay, yeah. he was no, a fan. I'd love to hear that. Because yeah. we design, it's not just a company value. We actually take that and make it part of our products. For example, in Confluence, when you create a page, it's open by default for the company. Like You'll have to go two extra steps to be able to prevent it from other people seeing it. Unlike Google Docs or other products that are out there, we have tried to make it so that it's actually open for the company. Awesome. I love it. I look forward. I'm going to look up the dates uh, that you have those events, and I'm going to let you know if any of them match yeah, up no, with our travel. 
Awesome. We have a fantastic afternoon. Enjoy getting the macro of your entire organization. And that wraps it up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic day, my friend. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you CC me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer.